Hello, everyone, Hammerheads, loyal listeners. I am Mary Catherine Hammond. This is Getting Hammered. I am here, as always, with my friend Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon podcast, which you can find on Patreon. How are you doing, Vic? I'm doing fine, Mary Catherine. I feel well. I went on a four and a half mile run this morning, and that is because I have my annual physical with the doctor on Thursday. New doctor. Are you uh, so cramming for your physical? I, 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 is that a thing? Because I do it. <laughs> I was going to say, I I try to eat healthy and not drink beginning now. Right. Right now. Are, are, do you do I this? Only, sub- I can only do a week. That's, I, that's the best I can do, man. How about you? Do you do that? Do you cram before physicals? Yes. Not, well, no, not, not for physicals, but in my last pregnancy that there's the glucose test that is an important part of that where they, te- oh, yes. they test you for gestation gestational gestation. diabetes and if you fail that test and i may have talked about it on the podcast if you fail that test there's another test you have to take it's a one hour test is the first test the second one is a three hour test with four blood draws oh. and it is deeply unpleasant and so I do try to hack that system and figure out, because do I believe that I am, yeah. am likely to have gest- gestational diabetes? No, it can happen. But I, I very much wish to pass that first test. So sometimes, sometimes I do a little diet change. A little nerve wracking. It is. And I think, I think that test is somewhat flawed. Don't give me a banner. I, I was about to don't say the numbers banner. don't lie, but you're saying the numbers lie. Okay. For the one hour test, I think they do. A friend of mine, she had gestational diabetes when she was having one of her babies, and they they make you do bed rest, a lot of bed rest. Well, they also make you test your glucose levels three times a day, and I consider myself a fairly tough person. You can't can't do it. I can't do the finger stick. It is it is embarrassing what a baby I am about that. Oh, you mean for the you mean pain wise you can't do it. I figured no, you're so, I figure your schedule's so busy you don't have time. No, for no, pain. no, that's not it. I'm just yeah. a baby about it. Oh, okay. My husband would have to ha- chase me around the house with one of those little finger guillotines. I can't do it. Oh, it's just like for diabetics, for example. Yes, exactly. Stay. I will say this: I I definitely did not start over the weekend being healthy. I'll just leave well, it at that. You can't start it on one day. No, I mean, that's I, crazy. I, I mean, the drinking was something and the eating was something. I really sort of amazed myself. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will all be remedied within a week. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. So, you know, I look at how many calories I burned and then I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. And I'm still like over my weight. I'm like, wow, I can't imagine what I weighed Monday morning. That must have been something else. Mary Catherine. And you really knocked yeah. off a bunch with that four and a half. I did. Miles. I did. Four and a half. I figured I'm back to normal. Look, uh, it's, it's better than I did. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually at home today coming to you from the desk for which I admitted defeat and bought this little Facebook market desk for my, for my child. So now I'm sitting at a six-year-old's desk doing the podcast. It's actually quite, quite nice. So, so, so your knees are not inside. The, no, they the don't make it under there, but but well, I can sit in the seat. It's almost like a Japanese restaurant for you. <laughs> it you is. Know, you know. But we have we have construction going on in our house upstairs. There's a baby trying to sleep somewhere, so it's you know the the real estate in here was was precious to begin with, and now it's it's really at a premium because yeah. we're just we're just building on to things trying to fit as many people into this house as possible. I'm look I'm looking right now. It looks like you're broadcasting from a garret. 
a little a little <laughs> attic space. This is this is the basement space, actually. Oh, okay, okay. What maybe another time I will come to you from the attic. No, but things are good. Last night, my husband Steve and I got the chance to go out to a screening of a new Disney Plus Star Wars. Series. Oh, uh, which one? Andor. Andor. Really? Yes. So this okay. is the people had been demanding this uh, ever since Rogue One, which to me is like the third best Star Wars movie after like Empire and Star Wars. Okay, so you you and Steve are in the same camp on this. He loves Rogue One, and and puts it near the top, if not oh. if not sometimes at the top, depending it on was his like mood. the ending. The end battle was like saving Private Ryan in space. I very much enjoyed Rogue One. And so I did not know that that's what Andor was when we went to go see it. I just saw a thing in my email that was like Star Wars. And I was like, my husband will like this. Let's sign up and I'll take him. So we did. We got our picture taken with a star tro- stormtrooper. Was this in the city? Yes. Oh, the, the Motion Picture Association. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Hanging out with the yes. lobbyists. I know exactly. It was probably a lobbyist in the stormtrooper. That's actually just a lobbyist. That's what they wear. A stormtrooper. Outfit. That's what they wear now. Um, yeah. So we got our picture taken with him, and then we got to preview three episodes. It's it's premiering this week. I got to say, very good. Really? I did it not could... know what it was. The thing I oh, like about Rogue yeah. One and Andor is that they can stand alone. If you're not a giant yeah. Star yeah, Wars walk fan, into it. you can understand what's going on, and they're not obsessed with the old stories. It's, it's, a, it's a new creation. It's new characters. It's new droids. And so... It also was very serious and grown up. As so you were, you were there well. without the kids. Yes, uh, it's it's a pretty dark, pretty dark. Oh, good. Well, uh, show. yeah, there's not enough of that. So it's very grown up, and it looks very expensive in a way that oh, that's things good. like, for instance, Boba Fett did not. Oh my gosh, this that was like that like, was like that was like a TV show from the 80s. And it, it the was Boba so Fett strange. was like followed by the A Team. Yes, you know, it's with the with the Derek Zoolander scene in there. That's a, this is, yeah. Steve tapped out when they had the the. There was a scene for those of you who hadn't seen it that rem, was reminiscent of the Zoolander gas station scene where a bunch of silly people are wearing all sorts of silly yes gaudy costumes yes. in all different colors and and it was like a Star Wars version of that. Yeah, and it was just, just was mailing like, it in. It was he's ridiculous. like, I can't. It was like gang members in pink and purple and yellow on little. Uh, yes, like, I I remember ugh. that episode. Yeah, he couldn't because, handle it because you know we had such we you know there was so much capital going into these Star Wars movies and goodwill, and it was all wasted because I mean we got to a point where you know you try to convince yourself this is amazing, and then you're like. Uh. Is, is it though? Well, so because this it has Disney so, on it, so you think it will be. But I, I think you'll enjoy this one. Well, with Andor, you know, it's funny. A friend of ours was saying that this is. He was skeptical and said that Andor is Shea Guevara. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I will confess that as, as often as the case with me, I, Revolution. I do not. I'm not deeply into the political implications of the storyline while I'm watching it. So it was entertaining, of, though. It was entertaining, okay. and there's a lot. There's there's several ways to read it. I'm not sure yeah. he has to be a freedom a free quote unquote freedom fighter in that way. He could actually just like freedom from the empire. Although I know in the Sunny Bunch school, that's not what we want. Yes, that's right. No, you got to be rooting against him. <laughs> so at any rate, grown up, a little dark, and very it looked high quality to me. So if you are interested in that, check it out. Also, they serve very good popcorn. 
at the motion at, picture yes. association. Yes, was the head of the MPA there? It's usually yes. it's usually an ex senator, right? I mean, it, it, um, it, you know what? I did not used to be like Chris Dodd was like. The, the I should head of the I should MPA, pretend yeah. like I'm or the former deeply, secretary of the agriculture. You know, deeply uh, in, yeah. involved and attuned to to who that was, but I'm I'm uh, not sure who it was. Okay. but they know their business and they made good popcorn, and we watched a <laughs> movie. Okay, good. Good to know. I like that small theater. In the news this week, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station, working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion dollars teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. We have, well, we have the Queen's funeral, which we'll get to a little bit of that. But before we get to that, President Joe Biden gave an interview, Vic. Yes, he, he did. And it has been the, the better part of a year since he's given a one-on-one -on -one interview to anyone, correct? No, and it was so spontaneous. Oh, beautiful <laughs> stuff. So. Yeah, it's been like between it's a little under 300 days. Yeah. And he, here's the thing. For all of Trump's faults, he really was accessible, actually. The old now, complaint that, oh, the, you know, he doesn't hold White House yeah. press briefings and things. Trump wouldn't hold the press briefings in the room, he'd, he'd hold him in the White House lawn oh, yeah. before he goes into a helicopter, yeah, like, and then he'd spend around. an hour. I, like anybody, are you sure there's no more questions? Are yeah, you sure there's. Come on, come fact, up with something. In fact, if you if you maybe liked some of the things Trump did with policy, but did not like Trump, you were like, could he be a little less accessible? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was quite amazing. So this is the so, exact opposite. This is the this is the opposite. Obama, of course, outpaced Biden as well by a long shot in doing sit down interviews. He he was somewhat better at it. <laughs> it might be the reason for some of this. So let's dive into what yeah. Biden talked to Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes about during this interview. The first clip I'm going to play for us is is one about inflation. And it's pretty it's pretty amazing. <laughs> let's just let's just let him let him say it. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just, a, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not, you're, maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months, it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. So there you have it. That is, that is pathetic that is a very that is it, a bad i think answer. it's the best spin you can put on the situation if you're in biden's shoes and this is the thing i'd well, say i guess that, but know. here's the thing can i can i push back on that if you don't spin it as much i think you actually come out better if you just like, acknowledge the, and say hey spin he's attempting is so ludicrous and the thing that he ran on was that he would return normalcy and empathy 
and then you get 8% inflation. By the way, groceries, it's like something like 11, 11 to more than 11 to 15. Yeah. It's, like, it's like way yeah. up there. Yeah, since um, it's the highest prices since like 1979. And he's like, hey, we only went up 0.1 this month. I mean, that is neither empathy nor right nor normalcy. I'd say, I'd say his, his argument is don't judge me over the long term. Judge me over the short term. <laughs> so how has inflation been, you know, how, how, how has inflation been from last week to this week? It yeah, didn't jump another 8%. Were you better off two weeks ago? Yeah, were you better off two weeks ago? Okay, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, shouldn't you be used to it by now? I mean, so, I mean, it's like, don't, everyone keeps on bringing up what the inflation rate is and, and the state of the economy and the stock market plummeting. But we shouldn't, we should be in this mode where we're just used to having, you know, 8% plus percent inflation or 11 plus percent for food inflation and, and 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 stop talking to me it's the new normalcy yeah look fat as he would Let's say look that. fat you know oh well and the 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 just the flippant tone which you know and I, I think i feel like occasionally and trump of course was frequently flippant or took the wrong tone obama who was famed for being a great speaker was I, to my mind, too frequently, too flippant about things and, and criticisms of him. However, he would not, he wouldn't be here. I mean, he was, he was just more skillful than going, well, it's not like it went up a ton this month. My God, it's like, not like we just got here. Right. It's been a, it's been a two year or a one and a half year ride to this high of there's 40 all, years. There's, there's also this elitist element to brushing off the inflation rate just yes. the, way, the same way the, the the administration and 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 the media also had this sort of dismissive attitude about recession everybody's doing fine you know and, and and you know bank accounts were you know you know were growing because everybody was home not spending at that time and and employers needed to be having a smaller profit right i mean this was stephanie rules thing on msnbc is that they need to be making less in order to help people make more. And that's the problem. But these are, you know, not that she has this problem. Right. Uh, and no one's telling her about how, whatever, however much she gets paid by, you know, by MSNBC. But 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 that's the problem is, you know, when was the last time these, like the president or whoever, you know, went to the supermarket and saw yeah, what the grocery bills do, are? They don't do you that know? work. Yeah. They don't see that. Or they're having the, the groceries brought to them. Well, and this is, I just think when there's such a gap between what officials are attempting to tell you and what you're yeah. seeing in real life, it does not go well for you or your party. And to the extent that Republicans lose mm. in this referendum, mm. you're bringing that on yourself. Right. Although, like, in the, in, in, but in the in the grand scheme, that 60 Minutes interview is it's the best he could have hoped for because they were going to give they were going to push back a little. But it's not going to be it's not like Leslie Stahl versus George H W Bush or Dan Rather versus George right. H W Bush. And it was very sort of the B roll of them walking through the auto show and everything. It was very it, 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 you know. The, the quality, the color, it wasn't necessarily gauzy, but it was certainly, It was you know, not tough as nails, for no, sure. No, it was a very favorable, the four mm -hmm. was too. Speaking of which, here they are strolling through the Detroit Auto Show and chatting about the pandemic. Mr. President, first Detroit Auto Show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. So the pandemic's over. Okay, welcome news. We're, we're doing 
We're doing indemnity now. Should it? Shouldn't this be like if I were like the editor of the New York Post in giant letters? You know, the pandemic is over in little in quotes, and then president declares end yeah. to COVID emergency. Well, and this know? is this is highlights sort of the issue with COVID that we've talked about many times, which is this gap between the political need and the public health yeah. posture. Mm-hmm. and how there's just this tug of war between the two. So the, the Washington Post decides to run cover editorial board for Biden on this. No, President Biden, the pandemic is not over. And I'll just read you the very beginning. The tam- pandemic is over. Surely what everyone wanted to hear. President Biden made the declaration in the Sunday 60 Minutes broadcast. But before rushing to the ticker tape parade, sit down, sit down, y'all. Don't get too excited. The pandemic is still raging in the sense that a dangerous virus is infecting, infecting, sickening and killing people, mutating to survive and haunting the globe. The pandemic has shifted and normalcy has returned in many ways, but it is not over. Just when you thought it was safe to take off that mask. Here's the thing. Yes, it is a virus that will affect us forever. That's what endemic means. And it has probably added risk to our lives that was not there before and perhaps limited some of our lifetime expectancy and we can do our best to fight against that what they're doing here is is warning the president that hey you have a bunch of legal mechanisms in place and policy mechanisms in place that are dependent upon treating this as if it's an emergency and they're about to disappear if you don't stop talking like this that's exactly right. That that was the Washington Post way of saying, please don't end the gravy train because there are still 5 million people on Medicaid who would be off it because of a COVID, because it, it, it's contingent on being that our, we are in a state of COVID emergency. The student debt cancellation scheme was also contingent on there being a COVID emergency. It's like a, it's really, a, it's a debt transfer as like Christine Rosen likes to call it. And so if you're saying that the pandemic is over, then all of a sudden, you know, these people have to pay back their, the, the money that they borrowed from the government. And the same thing about mandates, you know, federal man, for federal workers, for the military and people who would not be able to serve, you know, God forbid, you know, you lifted that mandate and even sending that message, as you were saying, if you think about New York City, for example, you know, they're, they're firing teachers who are not fully vaxxed. They just fired 850 that's in the, crazy. In the last, and where are the teachers? And where the, the way, teachers unions? By the way, aren't, shouldn't do, they be protecting them? You know. And do not come to me about teacher sh- shortages and yeah, pay, when rig- that. pay rigs when you're actively firing people over this. That's right. And and here's the thing, is that there, if you if you declare that it's over rhetorically, what is the basis for keeping this stuff mm-hmm. in place? Mr. Biden has not offended ended the official pandemic emergency. The Washington Post writes. For all these reasons, because they want to keep these things in place. But what could possibly be the justification for any of these mandates at this point? They were they were dubious at yeah. best to begin with. And they've quietly started removing them in some of the some of the military branches where folks have won lawsuits to get them to to drop those. I think, by the way, those SEALs and anybody else affected that by that should get mm-hmm. like back pay and their rank instated and, and reinstated I think- and all. All and I think you'll see teachers too, Sue. Yeah. So uh, city. here we are. Apparently it's over, but not over in the most convenient way. Yeah. <laughs> or 
again, this is why this is why you know their goal. They should just say, you know, our goal is you know to bring down to like zero cases, and until then, we're going to keep the gravy train rolling. Yeah, but there are also a lot of people here who you know who who will feed into this because they are they are psychologically unable to get over the fact that pan- the pandemic has become endemic, and you know there are people back to masking now, and, and now that the weather's getting slightly cooler and outside and and wanting to get their fifth shot, you know, and yeah. and so you have that to contend with. Yeah, there there are a lot of incentives to keeping this stuff in place yep. and sort of treating it as an emergency forever and ever. Amen. Which- I mean, it makes us sound like crazy conspiracy theorists, but, you know, we're just saying, we're just saying there are yeah, a lot of... For- I'm just asking questions. Yeah, I'm just asking questions. There are a lot of people who it's in their interest to mm-hmm. keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. And that's true. <laughs> all right. <laughs> another clip, another clip from Biden, which is a, a bit of a repeat of another breaking news incident on this subject. He's asked about Taiwan. What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one China policy and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging their being independent. We're not let that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes. If, in fact, there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. There you go. That is, is that the second or third time he's done that and had to walk it back? Second? Yes. Yes. You know, you get, it might be the, at, at least the second time, but it's sort of the, yes, I think, did I just say something bad? It, it, it's, again... I, I think about, you know, what his defenders are going to say, which was what Trump's defenders would say, which is pay, don't pay any attention to what he says, just what right. he does. But we, we always, they used to say words matter. We're going to say words matter on both sides. And the fact that he's saying that we would come to their aid, ending thereby ending the one China policy and sort of the strategic ambiguity is problematic. And I, I think I'm, I'm on Biden's side on this. But, you know, the forces that be, Ron Klain and whoever else, I have to every time, man, because they're the ones like they're the ones, you know, dictating the policy. It's embarrassing. Well, here here's the thing about if it and I think I'm with you that like I believe this is probably the morally correct stance. Right. But strategic ambiguity is what we've we've settled down for a long period of time for various reasons, because, you know, getting into a direct conflict with China is like, yikes. Um, And so, uh, one, what actually is the American policy? Because when it comes to foreign policy, the commander in chief's words do matter a lot, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And since he's walked it back twice now, or the white house has walked it back now twice, who is in charge of the policy? Who's in charge of the policy? Again, it's, it's, it's Ron Klain is in charge of the policy. You know, so on the one hand, you know, I mean, it, it, the mixed signals, the, the Chinese are not sure now, obviously. I'm sure they don't know what to make of this. I don't know if that's good or bad. It could be argued that Biden's entire strategy for everything is strategic ambiguity. Yeah. I'm never just, sure what's going on. Or just ambiguity. <laughs> and the, 
I mean, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, Saddam Hussein, you know, tried pulling off this sort of strategic ambiguity when it came to weapons of mass destruction. Because on the one hand, he was trying to tell the world he does not have weapons of mass destruction, but he was telling, he wanted his neighbors to think that in fact he did have weapons of mass destruction. And so it's like, well, I don't I, that did not end well for him. So I don't know what's going on here. We're obviously very staunch, you know, defenders, this country would be a staunch defender of Taiwan at the end of the day. If something horrible happened, we send billions of dollars in defense aid to Taiwan. We are, we're sending something like 60 harpoon missiles. Each of them can sink a naval vessel. So the, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, it's, it's meant to raise the stakes for China and whether or not they think it's worth going in there. And, and China's plan would not be to bomb Taiwan right. like it's Dresden, right? They want the semiconductor manufacturing. They want the wealth. They want to seize that intact. So it would be a blockade. But, you know, I mean, and the, and the Senate has this Taiwan Policy Act that the Foreign Relations Committee approved. So we're going in the right direction. China's actions on Taiwan are probably being determined by what's happening in Ukraine. Right. You know, so part of it is what they're trying to anticipate the U.S. response is going to be. But certainly seeing how Ukraine is playing out, is it, it doesn't it, did, it does not bode well for China. Right. So maybe we have some. Yeah, time. I wanted to. Oh, we should do a quick update on the fact that we are now on what we're going to start week two on everyone trying to convince me that 50 people being sent to Martha's Vineyard is a great and inhumane calamity. It's a humanitarian crisis. And I got to say, I'm unconvinced. Is it a stunt? Yes, it's obviously a stunt. It is, mm -hmm. it is a stunt for the purpose of pointing out that the people who have been freaking out about this for a week and calling it human mm -hmm. trafficking and inhumane and insane and authoritarian and all of the other things, they do not care one bit about what has been no. happening on the border for years and that some 2 million have crossed yeah. and are sent various places within the U.S. By the way, in the same manner by Biden to Florida in the middle of the night and that we have an unsustainable situation here. That is, that is what is being communicated. And what they're communicating to me is they don't care about that unsustainable situation. What they care about is 48 people in Martha's Vineyard. That's right. So, you know, I have here and we have here in our offices, you know, the TVs tune into MSNBC, CNN and Fox. Fox is like round the clock coverage of the border crisis, right? So that, that's their thing. But on the other networks, they're barely talking it's about very the, but they're talking about they're talking about January 6th they're talking about the Mar-a-Lago raid and now of course they're talking about Martha's Vineyard and the human trafficking committed by Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis and 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 trying to figure out what's going on in that scheme where these people lie to and the plane tickets and get getting to the we want an investigation of that well I, I don't get it cuz this is what this is what yeah. happens with the news cycle right yeah. and that's the news that's the news it's not the seven thousand people crossing the border in the south every day by the way and just like kids yeah. in cages under under obama was not news oh. and then it became news right. even though they were using pictures from the previous yeah. administration much to their embarrassment it, it has to reach a, an absolute point of critical mass for them to sort of grudgingly acknowledge that there is a problem at the border for example when there were all the haitians living under the bridge do you remember yes. that 
that became a huge to do and they couldn't turn a blind they couldn't turn away and they had to do that we had they had to stop talking about trump for five minutes to talk about but, this. Hey, the, but when you have, reported that that biden was doing deals the biden administration was doing deals with the yeah. haitian undemocratic yes. leader basically like yeah. oh it's like maybe not push for democracy so hard there and you can take these guys off of our hands nobody cares Nobody cares. Nobody cares um, about that. And again, as you mentioned, the, the administration was already sending by plane migrants all over the country. But that one, that's OK. okay. And, and it was and also it, OK when Mars middle of the night buses them elsewhere into military yeah. custody. That was OK. They mm -hmm. had an enlightened 24 hours and then they were on their way, possibly 36 yeah. hours. I just it's so transparent how little yeah. they care as long as it doesn't touch their jurisdictions, which, by the way, have designated themselves sanctuary jurisdictions. City. What? Yes. What exactly are you violating by taking them up on that offer? That, that I do not understand because that has been the advertisement and it lays bare how much it is a virtue signal and not actual virtue. And look, I'm a, I'm a squish on immigration. But we mm -hmm. must admit that there's an issue on the border and nobody is willing to admit that unless they're like smearing border patrol agents with the whipping story or that was getting mad at around and say, oh, that was like a month long story. Mm -hmm. And then they find out, oh, yeah, we did the investigation. They were all like, was for the horses. whipping anybody. And remember, people, they were going to pay the price. You know, they were going to be brought to justice. Those officers yeah. who had the they <laughs> supposed whips. They found out they weren't. They weren't. No, and everybody had to put their two cents on how horrible it was, and this is no way to treat. They don't know the facts, and yet they were jumping in, and 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 these poor guys, you know, had to to go on leave or were suspended or whatever, and for nothing, for absolutely nothing. So Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, by the way, she took in Chicago, which is also a sanctuary city. They took migrants and they moved them out and they bust them out to the suburbs. So the, I guess there's now a sanctuary yeah. suburb, not of their choosing, but that's where they are. We have we have a real problem and they're not interested in dealing with that a reporter on the border who was no doubt with fox because that's the the one network that has somebody down there most of the time right observed before lunchtime on a weekday 500 people come across into the town of eagles pass texas and washington mm -hmm. dc and martha's vineyard are like we don't have the resources for this we're not a border town do you think no. mm -hmm. do you think that eagles pass texas has the capacity for hundreds of people before lunchtime on a given day. And that's the thing, too, is that, that if you really want a taste of what these towns go through, and yes, conceded, they get federal resources for this, but clearly not enough. Not enough. You would get a flight full of new people every several hours. That would be the right. experience. Could you imagine that? Right, exactly. And and not to mention the fatalities from people who, for, for migrants who drown yeah. or die of heat exhaustion, oh, the, something to the tune of 700 a year. The one which we talked about on the podcast, I believe, which was in the tractor trailer, which was just tragic. Oh, yeah. It's nearly the same number of individuals as went right. to Martha's Vineyard. And the tractor trailer story in which people were, and I apologize, trigger warning, just cooked to death inside mm -hmm. a tractor trailer. Yeah. That was a story for like, Three quarters of a day, maybe. Yeah, I think mean, like maybe two no. days. Sending them to Martha's Vineyard. That, 
What a horrible place. I, you know, I'm sure they'd rather be in hundred degree heat in a tent. I, Del I said this before, but when Corinne Jean-Pierre was like, these migrants deserve better than being abandoned yeah. in Martha's Vineyard. And I thought to myself, well, damn, I don't know if we have better. Like, isn't like top of the line, isn't it? I mean, they, they could have been sent to Nantucket. So <laughs> there's always a big rivalry though between Nantucket and Martha's. They, I don't think they like each other, the two islands. So, right. Anyway. Well. And, and, and they moved on. They were sent off to uh, Cape Cod the next day. <sighs> well, okay. So I, I guess the, the attempt to convince me that, that, is, that that's the humanitarian crisis will continue. I, I'm unconvinced, to say the least. <laughs> Moving on to a quick story about a, an FBI whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Vic, you know that here, you know, in the media, you always hear that you cannot besmirch the good name of federal law enforcement or oh the gosh, intelligence no. community. And anyone in these fields, James Comey is an American know, hero. Obviously, <laughs> anyone in these fields is a trusted American public servant. And how dare you say anything about their tactics or anything? But we hear from a whistleblower. This is Yahoo News reporting. The FBI was accused of falsely designating a veteran-led emergency prevention organization and its founder as facilitators of domestic terror, according to a whistleblower complaint made public via a letter from the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee. Letter came from Jim Jordan. It's a group called American Contingency, founded by a U.S. service member, Mike Glover, who they they work to help people in the wake of environmental disasters, hurricanes or natural disasters, tornadoes, that, that type of thing. And the FBI investigated his military records, his veterans disability rating, and his monthly dis- disability benefit, according to this letter before ultimately determining he was not a perpetrator or instigator of domestic terror. The thing is, they, even after they figured it out, they kept him categorized as a domestic terror threat. And I shouldn't have been subjected to the investigation to begin with. Like, I I understand if you think there's real, like, probable cause here. What was the probable cause while this guy is, like, cleaning up disaster areas and bringing food to people? Possibly it was his Facebook posts because his Facebook posts were pro-Trump and I would bet a little bit like pro-small government slash anti-government thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and those were being being perused. Right. Uh, Social media is being monitored and that's how they can determine who's a threat to democracy. It doesn't help with the folks out there who are big, and I know some of these folks who are big on deep state conspiracy theories, they're like, see, we told you, you know, we knew this is going to happen. Uh, but the, the politicization of the FBI and, and the Department of Justice, I mean, it is a real, it's a real problem. Great, and I imagine, no, it's not great, Bob. And I imagine if you Republicans take over in November, certainly in the House, that you're going to have all sorts of investigations into basically everything. Yeah. And what is going on there? Because I mean, I mean, I know there's this crazy movement about you know, well, what about defund the FBI? And I'm, I'm I'm not saying that at all because there are a lot of hardworking men and women, obviously there, we know, obviously, but there are a lot of not great people. Well, and there there's also <laughs> in, in, who are in charge. There's also an institutional incentive right now, yeah, to root out a specific kind of quote mm-hmm. or alleged criminal. Let us say, yeah, and that alleged yeah. criminal looks like a MAGA domestic terrorist, right? And when you are incentivized Mm -hmm. professionally to find such things, sometimes you will have a conclusion and then bolster your facts Mm -hmm. and findings 
to lead you to the conclusion, as we saw far too much of, you know, during the Russia stories with media, during the Russia investigation with parts of the FBI as well, Crossfire Hurricane. And, you know, if if a bunch of people know that this is what gets them attention with an organization and possibly clout within an organization, they might be more likely to find these things. I think it was Glenn Reynolds who said, it was Instapundit, said recently, and I don't know if this is his quote, but I'll attribute it to him for now, that the demand for white supremacy and mega terrorism greatly outstrips supply. And so we're we're just sort of like finding it. Looking for. Yes. And this guy who's by all by all appearances, just a veteran who started a really nice nonprofit is is who gets caught in the mix. Well, you know, when you have people like uh, Peter Strzok and and Andrew McCabe in who are now no longer at the FBI, but are still very well respected authorities and talking heads, uh, you know, what what could go They're the arbiters of public trust, Vic. Yeah. So this is just a, another, another example, by the way, by the way, just, I always, I always laugh when I would, when I would go on CNN, everybody's like, how dare you besmirch the reputation of the FBI? And I'm like, well, you know, the FBI had files on everyone who was involved in anything. And maybe that was improper use of resources. Like for instance, Mickey Mm -hmm. Dolans, who is the last surviving member of the monkeys just sued to see his, the monkeys FBI file. The monkeys have an FBI file. So I'm just saying. You mean from back in the day they had So one? I'm just saying perhaps sometimes they're getting out over their skis a little bit and yeah. engaging yeah. in too much, shall we say, monkey business. That's monkey with two E's. Oh, thank you. Yes. Here we come. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that's probably something from the at the very end of the Hoover term where he wanted to look at, you know, it was like they were – they were like the American version of the Beatles with the mop tops, and then really quite a quite an entertaining TV I, show. I love. I would like to add. This is a tangent, but that's what we. And every song was actually good. <laughs> they, they were good. <laughs> I, I know <laughs> people hate to admit it, but there are some great songs. I was there. a huge Monkees fan. I was a Beatles fan as well. I was raised on yeah. my my dad's taste in music, but then mm-hmm. the Monkees used to play on replays yeah. on Nickelodeon for years when I was a kid. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Silly antics. These guys are great. Davy Jones is my teen idol. I'm I love this guy. Little did I know he was like, you know, 30 years older than he was. <laughs> yes, but 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 deceiving for somebody who's four feet <laughs> tall. Exactly. I think. So I, I was very into the monkeys. I had a monkeys t-shirt. I had monkeys albums. I was I was yes. there for the monkeys, and I will stand by many, many of the songs, even though they were an early creation. Boy band is what they were. Yes, they were. They were an early creation boy band, very successful. And some of them, of course, wanted to be taken more seriously as musicians than as sort of pop idols, Mickey Dolans, for example. But they were all very talented in, in their own way. Mike Nesmith, by the way, did you know he was already rich going into that show because he is a guy who wore the cap? Yes. Because his mother in England had created liquid paper. I did know that, actually. Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, well, you know what? We're we're on the same wavelength. But our listeners, this is good for our listeners. I should have pretended I did. But as a monkey, devoted monkeys. <laughs> but you knew this as a as a devoted monkeys fan. I had to know that information. <laughs> I had to know that information. Yeah, you know, I knew yeah, so much yeah, about yeah, Peter Tork and Mickey Dolans. 
Yes, yeah. no, like, no, absolutely. Mike Nesmith, who was yeah. later, I believe, the the brains behind MTV in many ways. Is yeah. that right? And became richer and richer. <laughs> so. Great songs. Last Kenny Clark's now that we That's a good one. That okay. important news. I okay. know. Okay. Uh, did you have, you had Queen Thought? Well, they, the service was this week to say goodbye to Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. I think it's just in general moving to watch people for her. There yes. was a nice moment where David Beckham, notably not using his celebrity clout, waited in line for 12 hours. Wow. Her lying in state, which I thought was a. I would not have. I would have been like, do you know who I well, am? I mean, that's. I, I do that in I do that in line at Chopped just to get my salad. I do know who I am. I'm not standing in line for the salad. I I, I do the same thing. Like I got preview tickets to Andor. <laughs> let me in. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you yes. this. This is the big question. The big question about the funeral. Were those real tears from Meghan Markle? <laughs> Look. Let me let me be easy on everyone <laughs> in this time of great grief. I do think mm-hmm. you'll see a couple. There were a couple of clips of sort of Camilla snapping a little bit at Princess Charlotte. Oh, because she, oh. she and her brother were goofing on each other. It's a long. It's we have two weeks thing. of mourning, and two yeah. weeks of formal events that both right. adults who are grieving and children who are grieving have to put on the best possible and most gracious face. And it is, that is tough. That is tough. So I will, I think it's put a bunch yeah. of breaks for folks. I do think it's, it's fairly obvious that there's a Harry and Meghan divide where they are you know, slightly separate from the rest of the family. And I don't really blame the rest of the family for not wanting to put themselves out there in front yes, of yes. Harry and Meghan, but they are there. And he was allowed to wear his military uniform, which at one point, they were not going to let him do, but they had a vigil where he was he was in uniform, quite mm-hmm. fetching. Prince Harry did. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a special guest at the funeral. Yes. <laughs> the Washington Post reports on this. Almost 2,000 guests attended the elaborate state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II on Monday. Oh, let me also note, Biden's seat was way back in the church, like way back, way back. Make of that what you will. But just one of the guests had eight legs. An uninvited critter somehow made it into the service at Westminster Abbey, catching a ride atop the late monarch's, monarch's coffin and burrowing itself in a wreath of flowers and foliage cut from the gardens of Buckingham Palace. Footage on social media showed the spider scurrying across a note written by King, King Charles III, which read in loving and devoted memory, Charles R. The arachnid eventually disappeared from sight back into the bouquet, never to be seen again. And then various tweets. The most famous spider in the world right now, read one tweet. Were you invited, mate? Questioned another. <laughs> others <laughs> others hailed the little guy for its bravery, stepping out as much of the nation fell silent and ground to a halt on Monday. It won the hearts of, of social media users, and people started tweeting, God save the royal spider. <laughs> I, I, it's a reminder when you get your flowers to check your flowers. You hear stories like this all the time. And, you know, the fact that you can capture it on camera, it was probably a sizable spider, not, not like a... Yeah. A house spider, bigger than a house spider, man. You, know, you this, never know because they have big houses. <laughs> I don't this know. This how you know uh, the the flowers are legit. They plucked. Right at, yes. One yeah, person yeah. said, "Imagine That's you're a spider right. in the garden. You fall asleep in a pink rose. When you wake up, you stretch out your leg, your little legs, and realize you're suddenly naked in Westminster Abbey on top of the Queen's coffin." That is definitely one way to put it. <laughs> it happens to the best of funny. us. 
And I hope the spider didn't end up in the crown. That would have been very scary because then the crown, of course, goes on to Charles' head. I so. think we'll be okay. I mean, okay, good. Yeah, and it wasn't like a brown recluse. No, that's you know, no. it's not the beginning <laughs> okay. of a of a horror movie. Of a horror movie. Okay, I, I do want to say this on on uh, to, uh, to end on this note, Mary Catherine, if you will. It 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 was great to see it, and 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 my wife Kate, she taped part of the ending you know, the, the, the service and all for the kids to see, because, you know, it's been a very long time since the last ruling, uh, a sitting British monarch died. Right. right? And, and, and the last one was George the sixth. And that was in 1952. And I was thinking, you know, and, and the, the last time a British monarch died on the throne and, but it was actually more recent in the United States when we had our own King die in 1977 in Graceland. He too was on the throne. <laughs> Okay, ah, that wraps up another edition. I told you I had something. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victoria Mattis. Thanks, guys. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Please give us reviews. Recommend us to friends. It's very good for the show. Thank you for being with us, Hammerheads, and we will see you next time. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.